With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To you, Father God, to speak forth your word this morning, Father God. Let your word, Father God, manifest in the hearts of your people, Father God. I just thank you, Father, that these are your people, Father God. And I thank you, Father, for the glory and the joy of the Lord. It is our strength this morning, Father God. We just come to you, Father, that the word, Father God, this Lord is received. Father, in the hearts of your people, Father God, as it is a word of seed, Father God, in seed form, Father. I just thank you, Father God, for the glory, Father, being able to teach your word, Father. In Jesus' name, Father God, let the words of my mouth, Father God, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight in this hour. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So as we go ahead and we begin to um, discuss or... Let God reveal the revelation that he created the family. So in Genesis, as we go over to Genesis, in the book of Genesis, God speaks about um, pretty much we're going to the second and the fourth um, chapter. So in the book of Genesis, just a little background history, we want to know that um, it was written, um, the author uh, was a herder, and he was a herder with Jethro or on the Sinai, and it's the uh, introduction to the law. So back in this time, the author is Moses, and he was the lawgiver. He was the leader of Israel, the exodus and the wilderness of wandering. So um, in the book of Genesis, we want to also be reminded that um, the message was to establish truth of authorship for Genesis, and it is to do for whatever in this time, the entire Pentecost. So in the first books of the Bible, they're called the law by the Jews, and which will form the basis of Hebrew theocracy. So in the book of Genesis, um, the word Pentecost means five, and the present books were originally one written in five sections. And the separation in, in these five books, though due to Alexandria, the translation um, came in the present times as these books were also as well known for this um, book in the book of the law. So um, God commanded Moses in um, this time to write the book, and Moses wrote the book. And he called the book the book of covenant, the book of this law. So as we journey into um, Genesis, we're going to be in chapter 2 and chapter 4. Um, as we become familiar um, with the book of Genesis, um, it is also um, the creation. It is also the fall, the redemption of human race through Jesus Christ. And in the book of Genesis, um, it's around, it centers around divine revelation. It, it centers around scripture truth. And this book is actually, as I pray, it's the seed. It's the plot of the whole Bible. The whole Bible. It is very important to know the correct understanding of every part of this book. 
And as we open it up today, um, as we came out of a powerful um, conference, women's conference yesterday, and we were talking about relationships. So in Genesis, the foundation of families, the foundational rev, um, um, the foundation of restoration of families and relationships is divine. It's, it's revelation that rests on which it is built upon. So not only that, but it enters into the form of a very integral part of revelation. And every great doctrine of scripture finds its root in, Gen- in Genesis. So um, the purpose that Genesis was written, it was to reveal to man the origin of heaven the origins of earth and all the things therein. And it was also a purpose to declare God as the personal creator and to show that nothing was evolved through billions of years. But it was also to reveal a pre-adamant world and its destruction before Adam. It was also revealed to record the restoration of earth to a second habitable state. And it gives facts about concerning man, concerning animals, as we know them today, and it also records the fall of man. So the second curse on the earth, the simple career of the earth, and it also um, helps us to understand that um, we are, um, we have been chosen. So as a chosen royal priesthood, um, we have been chosen to understand what God is speaking about our family in this time, what he's speaking about um, the body of Christ in this time. So as we go forth, we're going to go forth out of the New Living Testament, and we're going to Genesis, the second chapter, verses 18 to 24. You just want to listen with a heart to understand. So it reads, Then the Lord said, It is not good that man shall be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heaven and brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature there was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So remember, we're keeping in mind how God created families. So the Lord, in verse 21, says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, and clothed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, the man, he made it into a woman and brought her to the man. In 23, it reads, Then the man said, This is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And 24, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And as we go forward, we're going to go over to chapter 4. And in chapter 4, we're reading verses 1 through 2. Um, this is out of the King James Version. So he speaks in 1, he says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, 
and she conceived and bare pain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So as we understand um, the purpose even of woman, the purpose that woman holds in the family that God created. So as we begin to open up these scriptures, we're going to go back to verse 19. And... Also, let's include our devotional reading. It's um, coming out of Leviticus 19, 11 through 18. So if we can go there just uh, right before I break the scripture down. Um, devotional reading is Leviticus 19, verses 11 through 18. Out of the King James Bible, it reads, Ye shall not steal, nor neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. Ye shall not swear by name falsely, neither shall thy profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. But shall fear thy God, I am the Lord. He shall do not uprightness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, not honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. So let's read 15 again. Because this is talking about the oppression. So it says this is the law. So remember when... Uh, we opened up in Genesis, and the purposes of Genesis is the book of the law and the creation. So it says, Ye shall not uprightness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shall thy judge thy neighbor. And in 16 it reads, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shall thy stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. 17, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. And last but not least in our devotional reading, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So let's let that um, word sit with us in a place where we can uh, understand the opening of Scripture as God created the family. So in verse 19 in chapter 2, we want to go forth and read. And hold on one second. I'm sorry. So as we go into uh, Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 19, and we want to notice that in this verse, I'm sorry, verse 18, um, the problem was set forth in this verse, and God had four types of men. 
So it is not um, good that man shall be alone. And even though God was always with man, um, God teaches us here that we were made to be connected to other created beings. And in reason 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help me for him. So when we look at the word I, God is speaking, and he said God saw that his work, he saw that his work was not yet complete in that man, was not complete and could not reproduce. So his time alone, so he made a help me for him, to enable him to propagate his time. The help was the help that was suitable for Adam, the help suitable to man intellectually, morally, and physically, and his counterpart. So see the purposes of what God created man, created woman for. So as we go forth in, in 19, it says, that out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And so as Adam began to um, begin to name the animals, at this point, um, the word alone aloneness is uh, when God came to the understanding of the conclusion that a helpless fit for Adam. It wasn't just um, for Adam to be alone. So as he created man, as he created woman, God teaches that uh, teaches us in his passage that he also wanted Adam to have kinship. So as we see in the following scriptures, um, the response to Adam being alone and what God addresses he addresses the issue of kinship. And kinship is a connection by blood, marriage or adoption that establishes a family relationship. And as we can see, we've got to understand how this is described in the process of finding the kinship for man. So in 20, it says, And Adam gave names to the cattle, all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a help me. So in this verse, um, we learned that God brought all the animals to man, not ultimately to sift through the specimens and somehow find him a good helper, but it also teaches in order to see what he would call them. When Adam names the animals, he demonstrates his authority over them. And as we see also in this scripture in regard to the, the issue of Adam being alone, aloneness, the issue of kinship that the man, let me repeat, says the man can now clearly see that there's a problem when it comes to the animals. They were not like him. So in finding kinship, this is God's completion. This is, remember, this is when God was in this time as I um so got to explain this time, this is actually the antediluvian age. And this was the recreation. This was a dispensation, a moral time um, where the innocence and the favor of uh, the beginning and the test was upon 
God creation. And if we get a little bit into it, I can just uh, help us understand this time. This is like the first dispensation. And in this dispensation, and we all know the dispensation is just pretty much, it's a moral time. It's a time when um, God speaks about ages and he speaks about the dispensation. So in this time for man, the age, the main ages in time, this is the second dispensation from the beginning of the six days of restoration of the heavens and the earth to the second habitable state. So as I read in the data introduction, it speaks about um, all the way up into the flood of Noah. So this is just a period of time where God has included the age of innocence and consciousness. So if we want to understand that God is now helping us to understand the time we are now living in and the purpose that God wants us to see this is for us, he wants to see if man will remain innocent and be true to trust under the most stable and perfect conditions possible. God wants us to be, wants us to test him before he, well, in this passage, God wanted to test Adam before he had offspring. So in that, that if he sinned in the entire race to be dealt with a life through the same means of grace, which offered redemption back in this time, it's the same as us today. Today, as God has um, spoke to us and he's speaking to us about him creating families. So in order for us to understand our family, in order for us to understand the church, in order for us to understand our nation, our people, our city, we got to understand what God is really speaking and what he has already ordained for to happen through family. So he promised us eternal segregation from redeemed society, from all who fail to seek reconciliation. And this is by means that, God is still accomplishing his purpose. And then, and when Eve fell, and he, well, when Eve, when he spoke, and he said, eat of the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the temptation that still arises in Satan means that he's using those to test men to see if he will, see if we will remain true. So I just wanted to point out some of those steps when man fails, when he says we have to um, be fruitful, multiply, return us to do and have domain, that's in one chapter 1 and 28. In having dominion, we got to see what it is that we lost. So as we spoke yesterday in the conference, recovery, something had to be lost. So when we lost dominion and Christ came, we got dominion back. We still have to see where we got to take responsibility at. So what we lost, we lost in seven steps of the man's fall when man fell. And when God spoke to the relationship, the family of his creation, man doubted in this time. They doubted God's word. They also added to and misquoted God's word. There was a contradiction of God's word. And all of that, it was a misinterpretation of God's word. It was the temptation 
to transgress God's word. And it, and, and it speaks about God's word because we have to learn how to value God's word. God's word is a seed. He spoke us to be in existence in this day because he said, let there be. And whatever your name is, he said, let there be you. So that means you are his word in flesh. So when we begin to look at what it is that our family, we're dealing with our family and they doubting us and they misquoting and they contradicting, contradicting us and they tempting us and the transgression and the results of the transgression, when we stand in righteousness, now we can better understand that it was all part of God's purpose. It was all got part of God's purpose. But the thing that God wants us really to understand is the, the consciousness that we must have through all his creation, the consciousness that we must have in the responsibility of establishing and building his kingdom. So in the substance, the name, when Adam, as we go back to chapter 2, we're going to go and we're going to see how it says that in 19, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he will call them. Now God sees in this in this area that he discovers and finds out that he gets to know certain things. Adam gets to know certain things in human affairs. But man's knowledge, even of God, in this time must have been very extensive because his language fully developed where he made no change in Adam's work. No man can do this today after a lifetime of study. So even as we know the word of God, we still have to begin to trust that as God created and purposely created woman, as God created and purposely created man, human mankind, we have to know that even our intellect, even the most of us knowing the knowledge of what is going on in this world, that there's nothing, he says, in a lifetime of study that can be so extensive that we can alone, just by flesh alone, just by what it is we think alone, nothing alone, nothing that we can feel alone, we're not supposed to be alone, so just man alone can fully develop or can Phantom, what it is, phantom, what it is that God has created through the work of woman's creation, through the work of um, Adam being, having the authority to name the animal. So as we go forth, it goes in 21 and it says, And the Lord God calls a sheep, a deep fleet, to fall upon Adam. And there's a revelation that speaks about this is like the first anesthesia, the first major operation. And it speaks about how God took Adam's rib. And when he took Adam's rib, he said that he took his rib and closed up the flesh and said thereof. And so in the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man. So even as this being what God created or God ordained, it literally means she man, dream man, man with the womb, a female man, 
because she was taken out of man. So it says in 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So as I go back to what it is that God wanted us to explain or understand, the pattern of finding kinship. Um, God is breaking into the flow of this chapter by putting in order to point out something that is very remarkable about what it is that this passage speaks. In, in this account, God is creating a woman and bringing the woman to man. And this records or records that man's declaration about his connection with woman is based on understanding what marriage is. And therefore, God is, this is how God made woman for man. And any man, any descendant of Adam, shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and then shall become one flesh. So we say, where did marriage come from? Well, in day six, there was the first marriage. And if we go over very quickly for Hebrews 13 and 4, it just gives more revelation. In Hebrews 13 and 4, it reads, this is out of the King James Bible. It says, marriage is honorable in all the dead undefiled of whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So just to know how valuable and the purpose of marriage, um, that just speaks of this just being the first marriage. So um, the key here is that the last words of the verse of verse 24 is the last phrase that stands at the very center of the Bible's definition of marriage. And we cannot understand, or you cannot understand how God defines marriage unless we first understand the phrase. It says, one flesh. We read it from the top in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So unless we understand one flesh, we're not going to understand marriage. So in the context here, it's very clear that the husband and the wife becoming one flesh is a reference to establishing a kinship connection, to establishing a new family relationship. So when we look at our families today, without is being too deep. We know that there are a lot of families without fathers in the home. Even the system was set up for fathers not to be in the home. Most of our males are in prison systems. Most of our males are maybe uh, addicted to drugs. Most of our males are not found in the home. So that leaves women, and it says here, it says that in that connection, without that family relationship, it says the phrase bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh in verse 23, it describes the blood relationship. And it describes that along with the reference to leaving father and mother in verse 24, all of this supports the idea of marriage. And it establishes a new family relationship. And therefore, it is the ordering of family priorities. 
So when we look at our families today, when a husband or wife still puts their father or mother before their spouse, or there were um, when the the uh, mothers put their children or the wives put their children before their spouse. And this is just looking at we got to see what a problem is because that's not what God designed. That's now not how marriage is supposed to work. So we learn from in Genesis 2 that when God created the woman for the man, he was also creating the institution of marriage. He was creating a relationship in which a man and a woman hold fast to one another in order to establish a new family relationship. Now let's go back. It says we must understand this one flesh. So this one flesh is union. And that union that God has called uh, us in as women, it says the women is said not to just have been taken out of man's head to be lorded over by him, nor from his feet to be trampled on by him, but from his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected by him, and from the near from near his heart to be loved by him. So when we don't understand who we are as women, when we don't understand what our responsibility is, what our authority is in the family that God created, when we don't understand how if God is calling us in a time to be restored, then we must begin to understand what are we restoring. So God is restoring us as women in this time, and and the message needs to be multiplied. It needs to be embedded in our young women and, and older women. So it's not that it's just left alone to the generation that is coming, but the generations of women need to be binded together. So it's like a gap somewhere. And as we come together, the more we come together and understand the union, um, the significance of this one flesh is the reality that we need to pay close attention to what God's word is saying. And one flesh is used in four different places in the Bible, four different biblical passages, and all of them is in the New Testament. And all of these passages, speaker or writer is referencing to Genesis 2 and 24. So this is a simple confirmation that for us that we started in the right place, a confirmation that in Genesis 2.24 is the foundational verse when it comes to understanding God's definition of marriage. So one flesh, as we look at it, is a divine oneness. It's a divine oneness, and you can, at your leisure, look at Mark chapter 10, verse 2-9, and the first passage, it says it's mentioned um, to explain and make parallel, but we can, we're not going to read all of that. So basically it's Mark 10, verse 2 through 9, and it speaks for the one flesh. It speaks of the divine oneness, and it shows us how Christ um, comes to help us to better understand the idea of a man and a woman becoming one flesh in marriage. And the unique part about that that passage is uh, is not just biblical, but it's 
speaks, it says these words that we read, we must come up out of the pages of the book and become a living testimony. That's God's word. It's alive. So it must begin to transform and manifest legally. It must begin to transform and manifest culturally. So we got to begin to see the language that God is speaking that describes our family relationship. And um, in this one flesh, this oneness, also in that passage of Mark 10, verse 2 through 9, it speaks about how God joined together. He said, let not men separate. It speaks about what it is that God has put together. It speaks about that um, in this time, the Pharisees and the correct interpretation about what happened in the garden long ago, it, it speaks about the question about divorce that is now in the present. So we have to understand how word in the Bible is just, he said, word, his scriptures are referring to correction. Um, and it's for us to understand that it is now a part of our life. It is our dialogue. So when we are speaking of oneness, we want to know how we are divinely crafted into this oneness. And it should be applied in every marriage. So if we're not married, we marry to God. If we're not with a husband, we are as the church, God's husbandry. That's why we must understand when it speaks about marriages and mystery at a church. Because it was all ordained for God. It was all supposed to be God's purpose for woman. So we got to see where it is that we have to understand that in this time, that's what's going to bring families back to restoration. Us understanding who we are as God's bride, as the church, and then women in the upbringing, understanding what marriage is as far as a wife and a husband. So in 1 Corinthians, it speaks about this one flesh, and it kind of like um, it opens up the sexual oneness. So we can go there. We're going to go there for 1 Corinthians 6 just to look at what the verse speaks about. And the reality is also described these are the scriptures that describe chapter 2 and 24 that um, describes what this one is. It says, first Corinthians 6 and 16. This is out of the King James Bible. Let's see what it says here. Yeah. It says that, what know ye not, that he which is joined to a harlot is one body, but two that he shall be one flesh. And what God was speaking, it was the speaking that was concerning the marriage. So in 1 Corinthians, just take note 6 and 16, it speaks about that the prostitute here should alert us to the fact that we are not talking about marriage in this particular passage. We are talking either about the adultery or what the Bible calls fornication. So even in understanding what brings us together and how we as women 
um, must begin to live our life, we also must understand what can distract us. We must also understand the test that will come to understand what God will and will not allow and why he will not allow. We must also understand how the enemy will mean no good if we don't understand the word of God. So um, Paul was telling us something about becoming one flesh, and he emphasized it um, by the aspect of becoming one flesh as related to sexual oneness. So when God created sex, created it to be more than a physical merger. It is a merger of all oneself to the other. That's why recreational sex or any sex outside protective walls of faith and marriage can leave such deep scars. And we also spoke about that too. Those scars are like layers of hurt, layers of rejection, layers of unforgiveness, layers of just darkness. So when we open ourselves up, and it's not just for the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is for the temple of the Holy Spirit, but if we open ourselves up and that's not what is embedded and what's entering to our temple, then these are the ramifications that we will end up being painted with. So in this passage in 1 Corinthians, what is it again? First Corinthians, we are in. Did I read it right? Yeah, First Corinthians six and sixteen. Oh yeah, so it spoke about the harlot. So, um, the original creation at this point was to make a point about sex, and um, he revealed the bigger picture of one flesh and the divine oneness forged by God in marriage is consummated by and it is tangibly presented by sexual oneness. And this one flesh is also a personal oneness. So in, in Ephesians five twenty eight through thirty one, we just flip over to one more scripture and we're gonna get out this oneness and go to chapter four. So in Ephesians Five, 28 through 31, if we want to keep in mind that God created family, we need to know who we are in this family as women. So in Ephesians 5, verse 28 through 31 in the King James Bible, it reads, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies? He that loveth his wife shall love himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause, shall man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So as we continue to go forth and we speak about this last um, understanding of one flesh, um, it reminds, or the point here is the reminder of husband about the basic love that they have for themselves. And no one ever hated his own flesh. No one hates their own flesh, but um, desires to nourish and cherishes it. So when we think about the men, when we think about the husband, the way 
they care for themselves, their eating, their hygiene, them going to the doctor. It demonstrates a natural commitment um, that they have for themselves. And in most cases, a person will go to incredible extremes to preserve his or her own life. But when this is absent, God, Paul speaks about the husband here. You need to direct the same commitment you have for your own flesh. You need to direct towards your wife. So because it's your own flesh, Paul is expanding some of the same point that Jesus was making back in Mark 10 and 8, that they are no longer two but one. So marriage in some sense is about a oneness of identity. And the oneness flesh, the unity defines marriage to be described as not only as a divine oneness or a sexual oneness, but also a, per- a personal oneness. And as we continue to go forth, we just want to understand that God has made women, he's made us as women a part of him, a part of of him, and if we're married, a part of who our husbands are, and that's that oneness in flesh. So as we go back to just kind of bring it to a closer with our key verses, in chapters, we go into Genesis verse four to ten. I mean, verse chapter four, verse one through two. This is out of the King James Bible. So it says, "This is when God multiplied and um, caused reproduction." So this is when the family gets even more kinship. So this is the birthing of the sons, and it says in chapter 4, verse 1 through 2, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And he again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a killer of the ground. So when... Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. It's about daughters were perhaps born before this, but hence the special emphasis upon getting a man child this time. When it speaks about this birthing of this man child, we must understand which line Christ came through. Because as we learned yesterday, the devil wanted to destroy the creation or the the birthing of this woman's bloodline. As he wants to destroy our bloodline, but God said, let there be. And there was his son, Christ. So even in looking at Cain and Abel, looking at the bloodline or the purposes that Cain and Abel served, and looking at knowing the history of Cain and Abel, it says that Abel was a keeper of sheep. And the keeper of sheep is the keeper of sheep means it tends to, it feeds, or it pastures, it keeps. So as we go into and go into scriptures to help us understand even the more, because as we know, Cain fell. It was a failure of Cain that was a first false religion that just speaks about it gives an eye opening. You have to go back and open it up. Um, 
so that you can get the revelation. But it teaches about the first religious teacher. It teaches about the first murder. All through what came was um, what we deal with in our family. So we even have these things that's going on in our family that because of this bloodline, because of this tainted bloodline, because of what it is that came didn't fall suit in with what it was that God was ordained for men. You know, this is what happened. So you got a covenant that Cain had created. So thank God for the glory for Abel, um, their bloodline that even just Adam and Eve being who they were. We just want to understand that who we are through the line and the blood of Christ. So in First Samuel um, verses 25 through 16, we don't understand what the sheep is as we take a look at um, the son of Eve. So in First Samuel, he's reading out of the King James Bible. And let me just get there. It is. So that is First Samuel twenty five and sixteen. And that's the King James Bible. In twenty five and sixteen it says a keeper of sheep. So when we look at Abel's report, twenty five and sixteen reads They were a wall to us both by night and day and all the while we were with them keeping the sheep. So in this passage, I'm not going to go too deep in it, but it was uh, when Abigail was warned of the danger to her husband. So um, there was a plan that David had back in this time, uh, the vengeance that it was given in this time. So as we know in this passage, as we want to just understand that as we bring it back to family, we want to know the things that uh, God is calling us as women to even be warned of, to even be aware of. So if we're married, to warn our husbands, or if we're not married, we want to know that vengeance is God. So in the relationship as far as God creating family, man had wife. Man in this time, it speaks about that when she, when Eve bore Cain, it's, it's the history of the family of Cain. It's the race of, of godless and wanton, but nevertheless, it was far stripped from the descendants of self. And it's the arts of civilization. So when we understand when she bare Cain, it says Cain was the tillage, killed the land. He had a, a pastoral life that added to maternity and music and the knowledge of um, using a carper. So when we understand what Cainic covenant that was produced through having Cain, um, we want to understand that um, God did not forget about us. And he 
he hath gotten a man from the Lord. And rather, who is he is Jehovah, we want to know that it is inconceivable that we should know the different meanings of what God was producing when he created the heaven and the earth. When he created and um, Eve bore witness to Cain and he, she bore witness to Abel. And Abel, as we all know, Abel offered up his faith and Cain didn't. So we're looking at family in this time, and we're looking how um, Abel, he, we got to look at the purposes and authority that was given to both children. You look at it, you better understand the vision that God is giving you so that revelation can continue to bring forth the manifestation of what God always purposed. In our family, you begin to see how families are broken and why families are broken. You begin to see the um, expression um, of when even Abel was rejected. When Abel, um, when Abel expressed his humility and his sincerity. Begin to see the life that God is, is saying that we bore children as women. And our children, it's an unknown thing that our children don't know that they're dealing with. So when we begin to see the family that God has blessed us with, the children that he has blessed us with, we begin to see what it is that's attacking us. We begin to see if we stay under the shadow of the Almighty God, we begin to see the malignancy and the anger that has been brought against us, even as women. Um, just men being who they are, men not knowing their true identity. And in all ages, we want to also know um, that through Cain and Abel, the worshiping of what God was attempting to do. Cain, he was very deceitful. Cain, he didn't, you know, he had his own devising. He really didn't. He he indulged himself against Abel. He harbored evil spirits. He he just had discontent and rebellion against God. And so God, he notices that what's going on in families these days. He's noticing that that's what's going on in women and in marriage. And he's noticing that that's what's going on in what his creation is. And he said there's not an anger or an envious, fretful look that can escape us when we're observing through his spirit. So when he said he married the backslide, he married the rebellious generation, if he came in the right way, God to God that we serve, he said it will be it would have been accepted. But as we understand the intimate intimate of God's mercy, it says, If thou does not well sin, that is the sin offering lies at the door, thou mayst take the benefit of it. And this word signifies the sin that was being brought in through Cain. The sin that was being brought in when Eve said, when Adam said. So when we understand in that, we know that through um, just the bursting 
through the birthing, we have to now understand that uh, as a mother and a father, the new relation that must be deeply, deeply embedded, especially first for the mother, now has begun the fulfillment of information. So we're receiving concerning our seeds. We receiving and understanding how that conception or that sorrow can multiply. Because we all we live in is in, is in the result of our decisions as women, as families, you know, as husbands, as we live outside of God's will, not as to say us that is coming together, but we have made decisions before there was not of God's will. But we live in a world that the majority is not in God's will. So when we know better, we do better. When we know what it is that God is calling for us to bring forth in the earth, we know um, how to better bruise the, the serpent's head. Uh, we want to also understand that uh, when we come together and we know the mind that Eve had as women, and we know the assignment that was given, she says that she bore a son. She now has a man-child. She's gained a man. And this child, she said in the in the scripture, she named him Cain. But the word man imitates that Eve fully expected her son to grow to stature, to grow to maturity of her husband. And this is what we, as, as parents, this is what our position in family is uh, that's why it's better beneficial to raise children when you are in a covenant with God, when you are married, because you better understand what it is the the responsibility of being a father, the responsibility of being a mother. But when God wants to bless us in this time and he wants us to understand just our authority now, um, just our authority and who we are um, in God. So at this time, um, again, God spoke to us, He's telling us about, you know, our responsibility in this time as he created family. He's telling us through his word how we are supposed to bear witness to what is being birthed. Um, he's telling us the gift and the blessing that we have uh, to bear witness to, to reproduction, the blessing that is upon our life, the blessing of being able to conceive and, and bring forth children. Like, it's just something that's not going to end. You know, generations are being um, birthed daily. Generations are being birthed into um, our society and is being birthed into our families. So we now, have to, we now have to begin to take responsibility. Uh, as we rejoice in this hour, we rejoice in God's word being revealed to us. Um, remember the the devotional passage was in Leviticus 19, 11 through 18. So we just want to thank God for the reading of the word. Um, make sure you go back and uh, read the background of Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 24, as well as chapter 4, 1 through 2. Read it for the purposes of knowing and understanding who you are in this season. Um, and all by getting God said, get an understanding. 
So we just want to thank God again for the reading of the word. Lord, we just come to you, Father God, that you restore, Father God, your creation in this time as you have redeemed us, Father God. Yes, Lord, to be ministry. Yes, Lord, leadership, Father God, to be reconciled, Father, in ministry, Father God, to be the true authority. Yes, Lord, of your voice, Father God, we just thank you, Father, for touching and agreeing in this hour, Lord. Thank you for touching every family, Father, under the sound of my voice, Father God, for you created, Father God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you ordained, Father God, every woman and every man to now, Father, yes, Lord, be in faith, Father, for what it is that you always purpose for their lives and their family, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen and amen. And we just want to thank you for joining the Message of Christ Church for our morning Bible study. Thank you for joining us for the broadcast. We do invite you back. This is the Message of Christ Church. Um, for the apostles, the apostles is your safety. We invite you back tomorrow, which is Monday, um, for our 6 a.m. prayer. But we also encourage you to visit the website at messageofchrist.net as well as com. If you have any questions or concerns pertaining to the ministry, please do call so call in to our administrative local line also as well as any prayer requests. If you have any prayer requests, please do call in. And leave your request if you don't have, um, if you don't get a live intercession. Feel free to um, pass along the prayer line to those that, you know, you encounter. You know, if you're witnessing to anyone that crossed your path that may need prayer or if you are the one to actually pray for them, um, please do give them the broadcast and the prayer line number so that, you know, the seeds can continue to be planted in the good ground in the hearts of the people. So we just bless you in this time. We want to thank you for joining us. Please do join us tomorrow for our mega prayer. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We love you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.